Welcome to Two Girls in a Grape, where we attempt to learn about wine one bottle at a time. I'm Drea, and let it be known that I am always down to split a case of wine. And I'm Jules, and I might have a wine club problem. I mean, problem such a strong word. I'm just going to leave it at that. We're not going to get into the details of it. No one needs to know. We all have our secrets. So we are continuing our Harvesting Your Wine Club arc here. And to kick us off, before we really get into Jules's selection, I'm going to start with our recurring segment, Cheers and Jeers. Jules, what are you cheersing and jeersing this episode? I think I might regret this cheers, but I'm going to go with it. I'm cheersing to my parents who just got here today. Um, and then I promptly left them to come and record this podcast with Drea, but that's okay. But they are here for a nine-day visit. It was supposed to be a seven-day visit, but the hurricane that's about to hit Florida had other ideas. So they got out early, and they're with us. So I'm glad that they're here, and they're going to be safe away from the hurricane. But I have a feeling that this may turn into a jeers at a later date. Well, I mean, <laughs> we, have, we have no shortage of wine. So. It's true. <laughs> and on our next episode, why our parents make us drink. <laughs> So what is your current jeers? My current jeers is to contractors, like house contractors, renovation contractors. And that's all I'm going to say about that because that could be a whole, I could start a whole podcast just about home renovation. You know what? People would listen to that shit too. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> People want to think it's that it's real. all going to go too real. really, they want to think that it's like those reality shows where like the crew comes in. And everything gets done. Oh, people are watching the wrong reality Ugh. shows. You gotta watch that shit with, like, Jeff Lewis that used to be on Bravo, where he was oh, like, yeah. what the fuck is this? He's yeah. a hot mess. Yeah, yeah, I love him, though. I feel like I would have loved if I could have, like, a camera crew following me around for this project. I mean, I would have loved that, too, to be honest. The cabin project. But anyway, <laughs> what are you cheersing to? So, this episode, I am cheersing to nerve inhibitor medication. Oh, shit. Highly recommend. Oh. Highly recommend. Maybe she'll share with me, <laughs> dear readers, listeners, <laughs> listeners, viewers, whatever. I watched Bridgerton, so I'm just, I'm in the readers I see. headspace. <laughs> Listener, <laughs> what are you jeersing to? Needing nerve inhibitor oh, medication. <laughs> so, why do you need the nerve inhibitors? Um, so at the, I mean, obviously I know, but. Everyone else doesn't. At know. the tender age of 39. Almost 40! On the dawn of her 40th. Ugh, of her fourth decade this, on earth. This bitch has shingles. Uh, <laughs> no joke, shingles. people. No joke. You know those those commercials for like the shingles vaccine? And it's just like that that voiceover of this very bossy woman who's like, shingles doesn't care. Let me tell you, <laughs> motherfucker straight up does, does not, not care. care. <laughs> As most things like that don't. Yeah, like, so, COVID doesn't care. Cancer doesn't care. No, Shingles they, don't care. They do not care. They, yep. So she's just hopped up on nerve inhibitors and lidocaine patches and antivirals that they also give people who have genital herpes. So, yeah, it's great. It's great. Getting older is great. So Highly the question recommend. is, does she really have shingles? <laughs> I don't know because I sent my husband to pick up my meds. So, <laughs> there, so there you have it. Your cheers and jeers for this very fun wine club episode. episode features a wine club that is connected to a wine bar we decided it might be fun to tell our best wine bar stories for this episode shawinigans and if these stories don't inspire you to become a regular at your local wine bar well i don't know what will just unfollow us <laughs> no don't sorry <laughs> listener don't don't listeners stay with us uh, it's no surprise that both of our stories are related to our very own local wine bar superstar, The Rose in South Park, San Diego. Which one of these days we'll have them on the podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I feel like everybody knows who they are now. As they should. Well, yeah. So, Jules, when did you start going to The Rose? I started going to The Rose probably in around 2010 when Chelsea and Ray took over. So, when it first opened... 
it was run by different people than who currently runs it. And I, I actually remember I would walk Kuka. That was part of my night walk sort of circuit. And I remember one night walking by that storefront and seeing like the liquor license application and it said wine bar on it. And I sent out a group text to like all my friends in the neighborhood. I was like, <laughs> hell yeah, bitches. There's going to be a wine bar in the neighborhood. And I'm super excited. So I kind of like stalked it for a long time. But I, th- I feel like I remember going and not being super impressed with it or just not really yeah. enjoying it. And then when um, Chelsea and Ray took over, that's when we really started becoming. I mean, basically, we were like part of the furniture. We were there all the time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Fixtures. How about you? So I, a similar story. I went when it was still the old, old ownership in like 2009. I was in grad school at the time mm-hmm. and I was living, who the fuck knows where I was living. I was living not here in South Park. Got it. And I came, I had friends though who lived here in South Park. So we like came up and had a night and we were there like, oh, there's this wine bar. And I remember it not being great right like not like not being anything to write home about i was like eh, okay you could see the potential but they just something was missing right and it was chelsea and ray that were exactly so they the current owners took over in 2010 and um at that time though i was still a very poor grad student and desperately trying to finish my dissertation and find a job so there wasn't a lot of like expendable income for that kind of shit but I did start becoming a regular in, like, 2012, once mm-hmm. I had, like, some, some cash flow, and we were actively trying to move to this neighborhood, because I really, because mm-hmm. we moved to this area in 2013, okay. like, in January. That's when we bought our house. <laughs> yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, and then, like, I would tell everyone that the Rose was the extension of my living room. Like, we were there mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. When we had guests in from out of town, like, that was the place we took them to. Wine club members, like, the whole nine yards. So, you know, I think right up until the pandemic, like, we were there all the time. All the time. Do you want to know how much Rob and I were there? Oh, I know, because I would see you. Uh-huh. <laughs> the patio umbrellas are named Jules and Rob. I because we were there all the time on the weekends. So fun fact, fun fact with Jules about Jules. <laughs> I started teaching a class there called Yoga Mosa. Right, I remember and this. And it was yoga followed by brunch with mimosas, and it was a really fun community activity. Um, the Rose made it super affordable, yep. you know, to do the brunch and the mimosa and. Inevitably, Rob and I would, you know, stay after everyone else had left. As and one we'd does. Get, oh, just, you know, let's just get another glass. And we'd be there for so long. But eventually, we would basically get kicked off the patio by the sun. If They had no umbrella, so it just got too hot. And I remember over and over again saying, you really need to get umbrellas. Like, people would sit here all day and just buy more bottles of wine. Yep. Like, at that point... You don't want to turn over the table for food. Like, keep the people drinking. So they got the black-white umbrellas, and they were like, this, this is Jules and Rob. I love that. The umbrellas. And I'm pretty sure we both have our photos up on the Wall of Fame. I, yes. Rob and I do, and then Kuka has a Of course, Kuka there. does. Of course she does. Yeah. She was also, like, part of the patio gang. <laughs> and I have one with my favorite... What was then my favorite? They used to have it all the time. It was called Love Amore, and it was a skin tap contact Albarino um, from Spain, and that was my jam. So there's like a picture of me basically making out with this bottle yeah. somewhere floating around the rose. Well, funnily enough, too, uh, Dre and I met each other at the rose. That's right. That is our origin story. We were both there with other people. Yeah. And look at us now. Yeah. I just. <laughs> Like, walked in, and Drea was having dinner with a friend who I know very well. And this friend was like, oh, this is my friend Drea. You guys should know each other. And then we would sort of see each other. At the Rose, in the the neighborhood. In the neighborhood, at the Rose, and so on and so forth. And here we are. I always thought her and Rob were too cool for us. (gasps) Never. (laughs) Rob is definitely not. (laughs) 
She's like, I'm a different story. You're welcome, bitches. So I think we both have really good Rose wine bar stories. Drea, tell me a good little anecdote from your time Uh, at the Rose. So much has happened in my time at the Rose. But probably the one that stays with me the most is what I refer to as my bathroom friend story. She does refer to this friend as a bathroom friend. (laughs) But so my friend Danielle and I met in the bathroom at the Rose. Of course. And she had just moved to San Diego. This is probably like 2000. She's now been here five years. So this was like 2017. Math. I can't do it. Yeah, and I'm on nerve in here. So, this is like 2000, 2016, 2017, somewhere in there. And um, John and I had been at the opera and we were fucking starving. And so I was like, you know, we can, pro- if we call in that order, mm-hmm. like we can probably make it. For the kitchen. Yeah. yeah. So I, I called, I got one of the regular guys. He used to work there all the time. Shout out to Mike. We love him. Mike. And um, I was like, Mike, I am fucking starving. Can you put in this, this, and this? Please. He's like, I got you. Yeah. Because um, Mike is a king among men. So we get there and I immediately have to pee because by the way, I have been drinking martinis solidly for a number of hours and so they should have served you a nice wine it's yeah maybe <laughs> so um i go to the bathroom and i'm like in full like going to the opera, opera gear. outfit yeah too. like i've outfit got sure. like a kimono dress i've got a fucking first stole like oh, it's Lord. i got heels I got the full, like, makeup and hair and hair and jewelry. Like, it's all happening. And so I walk into the bathroom. And when I, I'm washing my hands and this other woman. Thank comes, God she washes I her did. hands. I did. I do wash my hands. You're welcome. I fucking hate it when people walk out of bathrooms and don't wash their That's hands. That's fucking disgusting. And I call people out. Do it. Too. Yeah, because oh, it's, it. it's gross. It's mm-hmm. gross. Also, we've lived through a pandemic. Wash your motherfucking hands. Also, can I just say, when I was waiting for my parents in the cell phone lot at San Diego International Airport, there's a bank of porta potties. I've never seen so many people use a porta potties, first of all. I'm like, y'all are just here to pick people up. Like, why are you having to use a porta potty? Pee before you leave the house. But there was one young man that walked out. Uh, he's maybe like mid 20s. Doesn't Ooh. wash his hands. I was. Not so silently shaming him <laughs> for that. Anyway. Ooh, gross. So you're washing your hands. So I'm washing my hands. This woman comes out. She's also washing her hands. And she says... Thank God Danielle's a hand washer. <laughs> yeah, I, that's how I knew we were going to be friends, lifelong friends. And she was a like... A fellow hand washer. She was it. like, oh my God, I love your outfit. And she was wearing the cutest fucking like vintage jumpsuit mm-hmm. and I was like oh my god I love, I love your, your outfit. outfit and we're having this like whole conversation about outfits I found out she just moved here from LA I'm originally from LA and it's this whole thing so the next thing I know like we're exchanging phone numbers in this bathroom and like I'm gone a long time and so I get back to the table finally and John's like are you okay I'm like yeah it's fine I met a friend in the bathroom and he's like um alright because well, guys do not Make eye contact. No, it's like not a thing. They don't go together. It's none of that. And so then when she like goes to leave, she comes over to the table and she like says bye. And she's like, I'm totally going to hit you up. I'm like, do it. I'd love to hang yada yada. And John was like, who the fuck is that? And I'm like, that's my bathroom friend. And he's like, do you know her name? And I'm like, it's in my phone. Because I'm drunk. I don't know. I'm drunk. I've had martinis. (laughs) And wine. And wine. And more wine. So um, she did text. And we did hang out, and now we are dear friends. Like oh, I, love I love her. She is fantastic. We just took a trip to Palm Springs for her I'm birthday. I'm gonna have to meet Danielle. Yeah, maybe we can arrange to meet in the bathroom at the Rose. I think that that would be like appropriate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, An she's she's fucking great. So it was a good um, it was a good bathroom story. So there we have our shawinigans for this week, featuring our favorite wine bar, the Rose. For today's episode, we are focusing on a wine that I chose from my Rose Wine Bar Wine Club. So my Rose Wine Club is every month I get two bottles of wine. I usually do the red wine, but sometimes I will pick up a rosé or a sparkling or a white if it looks good, if I do the tasting. 
but for this episode, we are focusing on a Lambrusco. And I know we've talked about Lambrusco on the podcast <laughs> This before. is the redemption episode for Lambrusco. Well, most recently, there was the Lambrusco debacle of the college series, but I have confidence that we are going to love this one. So this bottle comes to us from Linny 910 Lambrusca, and it's a Lambrusco Rosso, which means that it's a red Lambrusco, which... I am very curious about because I thought that all Lambrusco was red, but I'm pretty sure Drea is going to give us more info about that. The price point for this wine is between 15 and 20 bucks, depending on where you buy it. The ABV is about 11%, which is right on sort of like on point with what Lambruscos are supposed to be like a light, sparkling, frizzante uh, wine. So sweet. Happy about that. So it's a really awesome, I think. One of the reasons why I picked this is I feel like it's a really good transition from our summer weather into fall weather where I'm not ready quite for like a big, bold red wine. But I want something red, but I want something that's also like chilled and a little bit lighter. So I did just offer Jules. I was like, do you want me to open up this bottle of Cabernet? And she looked at me like I was insane. I'm like, so. is it December? What the fuck? Are we eating a steak? What's happening? Uh, so this uh, Lambrusco is an Italian sparkling red. Also... Um, known as frizzante, like I just said. It's aged for about three to four months in a large pressurized tank, which sometimes I feel like I live in a, in a large pressurized tank sometimes. I want to live in a large pressurized no, tank. No, not a good way. I feel like that tank's about to blow. Oh, yeah. yeah no, I don't want that. So, yeah. So, anywho, <laughs> I'm going to hand the reins over to Drea, who is going to give us all of the Mucho importante información about Lambrusco. All right. So, yeah, this is this is an exciting bottle, I think. I really hope it's much better than our previous Lambrusco pick, but I feel like we're I feel like we're in good hands with the rose. And this one actually has some pedigree, shall we say. So, this particular bottle is a blend of Lambrusco Salamino and at 85% and 15% of another grape called Ansolada. Ansolada. As we all know, my Italian's not great. So Lambrusco Salamino is interesting because this is one of the classic grapes grown to make Lambrusco in the Emilia region. And it's one of five protected grapes and um, DOC, so like domain of origin type things, in Italy that is regulated by their governing board and can grow Lambrusco. So they're able to label it as Lambrusco and there are certain standards. So for each of the five regions, <coughs> there are certain standards in terms of what that Lambrusco grape, like how much the percentage of that grape has to be in the bottle. So for Salomino, it's, it is in fact 85%. And then of course they, they introduce other grapes as well. I do um, love how Europeans are so organized about wine, right? They have their like yeah, it's a big fucking their, deal. Or like their their regions and they're controlled, and there's like certain things that the wines have to be in order to be able to get like the seal of approval or a sample of approval from the wines. And I also do appreciate that when we buy wine that's either from specifically Spain or Italy here in the U.S. There, you know, it's it's a good wine based on the DOCG or the DOC like seal around the top of the bottle. So anyway, if if you're not familiar with that, that's something that to look for in an Italian or Spanish wine. Yeah, and a lot of them now will have like a little hologram too mm -hmm. on them. Um, and the other thing to note about like these wines is they, the bottles you buy in the U.S may look different or have a different seal than the bottles you get there hmm. and they're not different wines it's just they have to label them different for the different markets which i think is really interesting um but yeah it's all good so back to this grape um the the lambrusco salomino itself is not known for its sweetness or residual sugars uh, like a lot of commercial lambruscos including the one we drank during our college series <laughs> And what the the main difference is is how it's made. So, the the cheaper mass produced lambruscos or commercially produced lambruscos that you see, 
are oftentimes sweetened during the fermentation process by adding in additional sugars in the form of concentrated grape must, which is residual sugar that is often removed during that process. Um, or adding, you know, kind of sweeter wines to the bottles mm -hmm. afterwards. Um, and so this is not like that. This is a grape that is known much more for its dryness, for its herbaceousness. And like... Again, our, we'll be the judge of that. <laughs> and like our previous um, episode where we talked about training vines, this Lambrusco also has a very interesting like growing pattern. So these grapes are often trained to grow high above the ground to prevent, again, mildew and noble rot. And historically, these, grown, these vines were grown... Um, up poplar trees, like the poplar trees poplar. were sort of used mm -hmm. as vine trellises. Um, and I thought that that was a super cool thing, especially because we talk so much on the podcast about seeing vineyards as a complete ecosystem um, to kind of use trees in that way. So the second grape that's in this bottle, the Ancelada, is a grape that's used primarily as a secondary blending grape in Lambruscos. And this is a grape that tends to add a layer of sweetness that is not normally found in traditional Lambrusco grapes. Now, this is not to say, I don't want us to think like this is going to be like popping a Jolly Rancher type thing. But when we were talking about like sweetness, we're talking about... Um, like more fruit forward right so yeah. you're gonna get like some juiciness think like the fruit that you would see in like a gamay that type of of sweetness uh, what's interesting about this grape though it's also a popular grape that is grown in the south of switzerland where vines are now being produced and i personally have not had a swiss wine but i'm intrigued by the idea so i feel like maybe also foreshadowing i didn't even know that the Swiss made wine. I thought they made watches and chocolate. So I knew they made ice wines, but I didn't know that they made... Which would not be up our alley. Right. I mean, Way but too sweet. to be clear, if I had had like a bunch of... Mar if I was in Switzerland, if I was in the Swiss Alps, I had a bunch of fucking martinis at the lodge because she does not ski because she's brown and that's just not something my people do. <laughs> and then... I, people were like, uh, oh. To be clear, I am white and I also do not ski. <laughs> oh, okay, so, fair. I okay, know, but like listen. going to grad school, I had so many Caucasian friends. It is a white person. Who were like, oh my God, do you ski? And I'd be like, what the fuck? Because it's, it's super expensive. I mean. Yeah, it's also the it's same a very thing with like camping though. Do. I'm like, no, my people. Oh, but I do love to camp. Oh no, fuck that. Like my, no. Throw a white girl in the woods. Absolutely fucking not. Give me the lodge. I have a great camping story for you later. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like if, and then someone was like, oh, you're on your, you're done with your fifth martini. Do you want to go to an ice bar and have some no. ice wine? I'd be like, okay. I'd be like, no, I need to go back to the hotel. <laughs> We are at the hotel, girl. Follow along with the fantasy. Oh, I need to go into the elevator up to my room. Uh, or down to my room. Whatever. I don't kill know. Killjoy. Killjoy. We digress. So, Reader, we digress. So um, <laughs> these gra the grapes for Lambrusco follow kind of the traditional growing season. Um, they really grow in the spring and summer, and they're harvested in the fall. And to Jules's point, I, I do think for Lambruscos are a great traditional... I mean, excuse me, transitional wine. And in fact, the the wine club that this comes from, the Rose, I think we everyone knows we are loyal patrons. But during the summers, when I go there for dinner with friends and stuff, you know, right towards that like 930 hour when you finally get that cool breeze, I'm like, ah, a glass of Lambrusco. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the basics of these grapes and Jules what kind of fun facts do you have for us this episode I have all kinds of fun facts you fun. are a fun fact uh, thank you I appreciate that <laughs> um my first fun fact which I think we may get into a little bit more um when Drea gives us more information about you know this varietal and what we're drinking but um, there are over 60 known varieties of Lambrusco grapes, um, but there's only a handful that are commonly used for making the wine. And the wine has four protected um, regions, like we were just talking about. 
that are in the Emilia Romagna region, and then there's one just north of the Lombardy region. Um, so that's kind of cool. I had no idea that this wine that I really enjoy, one, I didn't know Lambrusco was a grape. I thought it was the wine. I didn't realize it was the a style. type of grape. Yeah. yeah. And then I also didn't realize that there were all these different regions that they can come up, the controlled designation um, of origin region. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, more specifically about this producer in this bottle. So Linny produces 300,000 bottles annually, which, I don't know, that seems like a big number to me for a family business. I don't know, is it? They do have a lot of different Lambruscos that they produce, though. It does seem high, but it's also... I mean, I think of some of the, and as a lot of our listeners know, I'm more familiar with Spain, Spanish right. wines, but even there, like wineries that are family owned. So like Torres, for example, um, is still family owned. Like it's owned and operated mm -hmm. by the descendants of Miguel Torres. And I mean, they're global. Like they have vineyards in yeah. Chile and Argentina. And, you know, I, they even have a vineyard now in Mexico. I heard they're Dang. yeah so yeah I think it's definitely possible but it's I think it's rare where you see the commitment to both the winemaking and the business Scale. yeah yeah so in 2015 Linny was nominated one of the 100 great 100 greatest producers by Wine Spectator it's always a solid recognition. Uh, the Lambrusco that we're drinking today, or that we will be drinking today, we actually have not had any, is among the highest priced Reggiano wines. So at a, you know, 15 to $20 a bottle, that's really affordable as are most Italian and Spanish wines. Linny also produces traditional balsamic vinegar, which I would love to get my hands on. Right. I love a good balsamic. So that would be super interesting to try. Um, which is also well known for its high quality in the Reggio Emilia um, area of Italy. And finally, Linny is a family business, as we just discussed, that is now being run by the fourth generation, which I is really that. cool. I love that kind of stuff. And I, I feel like that also really shapes the pride that goes into the winemaking, you know, that it's not just about the business side of it, but it's about this family legacy. So, but as Jewel says, we'll be the judge of that, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Those are your fun facts with Jules for this episode. Now let's take it back over to Drea, who's going to tell us a little bit more about the region of Italy that this wine is coming from. So as Jules mentioned, this comes from the Emilia Romagna region in Italy. Romagna. Romagna. There we Magna. go. Romagna. Okay. Romagna. Mangia, mangia. Mangia, mangia. <laughs> and um, this region has been producing Lambrusco grapes for thousands of years. And I won't get into my whole thing about the fucking Romans and stuff. She's not but, doing it. But you can guess, like. There's something about cultural appropriation in there. I don't know. <laughs> who started cultivating stuff and colonizing shit and the whole bit. Um. But what's interesting about this one is it's thought to have been cultivated from wild vines. And I think one of the things that a lot of people don't recognize, especially if you're primarily drinking like California wines, which are all like for the most part are grafted wines, you know, and our varietals are coming from other places. Um, there are so many grapes that grow indigenously across Europe that people have cultivated for so long. So like if you're drinking wines from like any of the the islands, right? Like you think about Sicily, um, you think about the Greek islands where they have varietals that only grow on these islands, the Canary Islands and some of their varietals. You know, it's I think it's just interesting to think about kind of the ancestral nature of those vines. And Lambrusco happens to be one of those those vine stocks. Uh, this region is known for its rich, fertile soil, and it is located in northern Italy, and it's one of the country's most prolific wine regions with more than 140,000 acres under vine. So that's a lot of land. And 
the geographical location that it occupies is also pretty impressive. So the area spans almost the entire width of the northern Italian peninsula, situated between Tuscany to the south, Lombardy and Veneto to the north, and the Adriatic Sea to the east. <coughs> so it's a, it's a huge area, and if you can imagine, the variations between those areas and those different DOCs are, are, are probably really fascinating. Like, I would love to do a flight of Lambruscos from each one of those five DOCs as a tasting flight. I think that that would be a super rad comparison because of the variation in this land. Uh, the viticultural heritage of this area dates back as far as the 7th century BC, ranking it among one of the older of Italy's wine regions and the vines variety here uh, the the varieties used here for many centuries uh, were the Venetis Lambrusca species and of course most of this region's famous Lambrusco varieties are derived from that vine stock. Despite the popularity of Lambruscos from this region however the wine production is actually split pretty evenly between red and white wines, with Lambrusco and Malvasia, which is a white, leading the way. Uh, but you also find a lot of Barbera and Sangiovese coming out of this area as well. And while we were doing research... Both wines I enjoy very much. There you go. Um, Let me <laughs> visit this region, I feel like. Well, you went, to, you went to Veneto, right? Yeah. Yeah, but we need to go... You go a little further south, right? Yeah. 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 This seems this seems like an appropriate road trip for us. I mean I mean it's we can't a fly trip. We can't even fucking schedule what do we call it. It's not a road trip, it's a when you fly somewhere. It's a vacation. It's a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I feel like girls trip is all encompassing. It's a two girls trip. It's a two girls trip. Oh, it's a two girls trip. Yeah, there you go. Done. Uh, wait, looking for sponsors, thank you. <laughs> Um, Go find me. Also, who wouldn't want to see that? Imagine the Instagram lives oh, would be amazing. I think people would be like, I was staying far away from that <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> but while we were doing uh, the research for this episode and looking at Linny, one of the, the things that's really And by we, she means her. Let's let's be real I here. We, Drea I mean, does we. the heavy lifting on the research stuff because she loves that stuff. I do love that stuff. But they have a huge line of different Lambruscos, including Lambrusco Biancos and... Which I'm, like, fascinated by because, again, I thought that Lambrusco was red... Sparkling, sparkling wine. wine. Like, just red. Like, that it could not be anything else. And rosés. So, it's Ugh, just, like, crazy. More wine to try. I know. I'm like, we need to get a hold of this, this shit. This podcast is like a fucking onion. You just keep peeling back layers and discovering more stuff that you want to drink and try and visit and do. Yeah. Now you sound like Jennifer Coolridge from oh, The White Lotus. God, I love her. <laughs> She's the best. I love She's her. She's the best. It's like a... It makes me want to eat a hot dog. <laughs> anyway... Let's talk about, <laughs> hold, that, hold that hot talk thought, and let's talk about Linny a little bit, since we've already kind of waded into their uh, production. Linny was founded in 1910, hence the 910, Linny 910 line that this Lambrusco comes from, by Oreste Linny. And as Jules mentioned, is now in its fourth generation of being owned and operated by the Linney family. Um, they have produced some of Emilia's leading wines, including the first ever Lambrusco included in Wine Spectator's Top 100 Wines of Italy. Uh, I mean, how is it not included in that? It's like one of their like specific to Italy style of wine. Do you no. read Wine Spectator though? I don't. I do. It's douchey as fuck. I was just, I just don't, <laughs> I don't buy into that shit. Like I buy into like, I want to try wine and uh, what I like, I like. And, One of. And I also do think that some of this stuff is you pay to play. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, one of that. the funniest things I ever saw though. So I was at this Michelin star restaurant in Porto, Portugal. And it, it it was it's the eight men. It was a, an amazing experience, and they have like eight tables in this whole restaurant. Mm -hmm. You have your table has three waiters and a personal psalm. Lord, it was insane. 
But there was the, the table closest to us. It was this cup, older couple, and I, I'm just going to say they were from fucking Jersey or Staten Island or something like that based on the accent. And this woman's got... No offense to our, <laughs> our Jersey listeners. Oh, well. or, do we have it? I don't know. I don't I'll have to look at the stats. I don't care. She's, <laughs> she's on pain okay. meds. She's oh, on yeah. nerve okay. inhibitors, which also means that it's inhibiting... Not inhibiting... No her, holds barred. No holds <laughs> barred. But this woman's got this like fucking Mary Poppins carpet bag with her. What? And she pulls out... Oh, a God. Wine Spectator magazine. Oh, no. And she tells the song no. that she only wants to drink these wines that are listed. And he's trying to explain to Why her, like... Why is she at this Michelin star restaurant? Like, how does she even know about this restaurant? She, they had some money. Her they had some damn money. They but, had some new money. Yeah. They had some Sopranos how, money. How gauche. So... This this poor song. I just don't have any money. Yeah, I mean I don't either. I don't have money. But I like to talk shit, so here we are. I certainly wouldn't do that in a restaurant. This poor song, like this poor Portuguese song, is trying to explain to her, like, lady, these wines are made for Americans. Like this magazine isn't made for Americans. Like this is not how we do shit here. And she's like, only these wines. I'd be like, sorry, we don't have those. I guess you don't have a wine with dinner. So there's the door. The way I handled the situation was, you were the expert. Of course. I would, You know what I'm eating. Yeah. What, like, I would prefer to drink regionally produced wines because yeah. Don't I'm give me here, French shit. But you do you, boo. Yeah. I am in your, your capable hands. But anyways. Uh, so yeah, Wine Spectator, take it or leave it. But here we are. Uh, and even so, like, that stuff, like... What they say? What do they say? Any publicity is good publicity. Yeah. Like it does put you on all the map, pub- right? All publicity is, is good. good. Publicity. There we go. That was that sounded more graceful. Yes. Uh, but thanks to the long-standing relationship that Linny has with growers, uh, wine the current winemaker Fabio Linny, along with his sister Anita Linny and his brother Massimo Linny, have worked to preserve the artisanal. Uh, Lambrusco style that their family started with mm. in 1910. So they've really made a huge effort to remain true to their family's trademark style of Lambrusco, which is supposed to be dry. Um, they take care in the vineyards, high quality. And so, yeah, I'm excited to pop open this bottle. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the additional wines that Linny produces. It is a incredible range. I I mean, I did a quick Google search and over a dozen different Lambruscos popped up. So they're under their, like un- what they make? Yep, under the Linny label. So, uh, and they do some aged ones. They have Lambruscos from the different uh, DOCs. So they are getting their grapes from other DOCs as well and producing wines. I think they've really worked hard to put Lombrusco on the map in this way. Now let's talk a little bit about production methods because as, as Jules mentioned, this is what you know the Italians call the frizzante. Um, it is a sparkling red wine, which I think can be a little off-putting to some people if you haven't had it before because it's like wait sparkling wine is white a sparkling wine is this sparkling wine is that a red is supposed to be this um but lambrusco kind of breaks all these these rules which i love and they do it though using the classic uh charmant or champagne method right and they also age their wines for longer than the industry standards in order to fully allow the bubbles to incorporate into the wine. So their secret is really a long second fermentation process. And of course, making sure that they have the best grapes that they can possibly produce. Their philosophy of wine production is that they want to use those ancestral methods to continue to make um, really solid wines and their website says the Lindy family is dedicated to making Lambrusco with integrity holding their wines for longer than industry standard in order to fully allow the bubbles to incorporate into the wine and they are renowned for their signature freshness and classic dry character 
there we have it. A little bit about Linny and their wines. And I think we're ready to pop this bottle open. <gasps> Let's pop it. And then lock it. And then rock it. And then drop it. Oh! Mic drop. <laughs> we have reached the point in the podcast that everyone's been waiting for. I've been waiting for it. Me, my hands up. <laughs> and Both it is our up. tasting segment. <laughs> so we've just poured this out. Now, when you open this, it it is... It's like a sparkling. It, it does, pops. yeah, it does pop. It has a cage. Yep. You want to, you know, hold it from the bottom, point it away from your fucking face. Maybe point it towards someone else's face that point you're it towards someone maybe else's not face. super That's, happy with at the moment. Yeah, that is a That's great fine. pro tip. I That's like fine. that. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know that was going to happen. Oopsie. Oopsie. I'm so clumsy. It's the nerve inhibitors. So... <laughs> She's gonna be using this as an excuse for a long time. As long as it takes. As <laughs> She's long gonna as milk it. As long as it She's takes. If I have to have shingles, I'm gonna fuck around with this shit. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we've just poured it into our glass and let's talk color because I feel like this is very much a classic Lambrusco yes. color. So, Jules, do you wanna describe it for us? It is liquid ink. I mean, it's super dark. But there's still some clarity. Like, I can see... Like from my, the top? From the top. I think you can see, but if you look at it from the side, you're not seeing... You cannot see through it at all. But it's not inky, like, purple inky the way that Malbec was a couple episodes ago. No. <laughs> that Malbec. <laughs> I think this one has... Good job, Rob. More um, ruby... Like deep ruby garnet colors. Oh too. yeah, it's definitely like a red inky, not blue inky, mm -hmm. but it's dark. I mean, it's, just, it's very dark, and I like to see that. Like that's, that's what jam. I would expect. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So should we give it a swirl and a whiff? Okay. So initially, I'm gonna be honest here. Initially, when we poured this into the glass and I did my swirl and sniff, um. I wasn't getting anything on the nose, but now that it's been open and in my glass for about five minutes, definitely getting more. To so, me, it's not anything specific. It's more just earthy. It's definitely like a earthiness and that that's kind of cross in like kind of an herbaceous way. So I'm getting tarragon basil kind of the sweeter herbs almost oh, she really going for it Those and nerve inhibitors are heightening her senses she's becoming a wine superhero everyone <laughs> oh my god in the flesh where's, i'm all i'm all taste earthy or smells earthy where's my goddamn cape um and now i'm getting those some of those late red summer fruits so like bright being cherry, uh, raspberry, like th those types of fruits, I think are coming out more as it sits open a little bit. But yeah, and so I think it's a, a really nice mix of that herbaceous earthiness and that fruit. And to me, that says something about the the blend that it is, right? Mm -hmm. That 85, 15% split. All right, enough of that. Let's taste it. God. So demanding. <laughs> she bossy tonight. Okay. All right. So what are you getting? I initially got that. I said tobacco initially because I wasn't really sure how to describe what I was tasting. But I think it goes back to sort of on the nose, that earthiness, like something about it. And tobacco is a nat is a crop. Yep. <laughs> like yeah. it, it, you know, and it, it gets She's not chain smoking outside. Yeah, I'm not talking about like it tastes like a cigarette. <laughs> That's not what it is. It's just this this like natural earthiness to it. I you know, I think a good point of reference for listeners would be like, you know, sometimes when you're in a fancy as fuck like little boutique and they have nice candles mm -hmm. and you see shit that says like tobacco flower. Or tabac. Yeah. Tabac. <laughs> I I taste tabac. Tobacco flower and yeah. worn leather, you know, and but those are also 
like descriptors for wine, like tobacco, yeah. leather. And I think here too, along with like that tobacco reference, soil. You know, people yeah. people forget that it is like that can be a good thing. Like that rich earthiness and mm-hmm. that woodiness can be a good thing. I was at a wine bar once with mixed company, shall we say. Oh boy. And you should I, see the look she's giving me, listener. I had it was for a birthday, and I had been put in charge of ordering the wine for this this party. Pressure. And all I was told was it had to be pink. Oh god! And I was like, "All right, fine," because this wine this is dark pink. Yeah, but this <laughs> this wine bar had a great selection, and one of the things I ordered was a rosé from the Canary Islands, mm-hmm. which l- listeners we may or may have not had a bottle of before we opened this. We but, did not. But um, one of the people there was like, <laughs> this tastes like dirt. And I was like, I suppose I was a, this. This was I don't know if this was one of my finer moments or one of my least finer moments. But I was a real bitch about it. And I was like, if this to an untrained palate, that minerality might read as dirt. But OK. And but yeah, uh, can you can you just say that again for people so they can understand you? Oh, I'm sorry, nerve inhibitors. Uh, what I said was, I suppose to an untrained palate. Oh, that to an untrained. So notice, I asked her to repeat herself, but she continued to yeah. do the funny voice that no one can understand. No, an un- to an untrained palate, palate that minerality like could read like dirt. Yeah, okay. I was a real bitch about it. I stand by it though. But but I would have loved to be at the table next. To you. Oh, it was pretty great. Yeah, I would have been like, "Oh, she did." (laughs) I love it. It's on. Um, but this this has like a similar feeling. It's got that that minerality and that woodsiness that you know I'm fond of. I I like it. it. Yeah, I really like it. And this to me is a true Lambrusco. Mm -hmm. This is what I would expect. This is what I would look for. This is what I would enjoy because, well, so let's go to pairings because I feel like this is something that I could enjoy with a few different things Ooh, when it comes to food. Do tell. I just think it would hold up well to... Actual, an actual meal. A, a, a proper meal. Like you could have some red meat or you could have a, like a heavier pasta, like a pasta bolognese or like yeah. something with a meat sauce, like a lasagna would be fine. Ooh. Um, but it's, this is taking me to, uh, there's a place up in the central coast in Buellton called Industrial Eats. It's a restaurant. They make amazing food, but they do these wood fired pizzas. Yum. And whenever we go... The menu is amazing, but I always get the same pizza. And I'm not a huge pizza person. I know. Everybody that knows I'm me impressed. knows that. But I get this pizza because it's a an arugula, parmesan, and prosciutto pizza. And it's just got a ton of fresh arugula on it. That's your jam. I believe there's a little bit of like a balsamic vinegar, you know, on it. And they have Lambrusco on tap. Yes. And this is up in wine country. So like, it's good. Yeah. You know, when I say on tap, it's not just like a fucking Coors Light of of (laughs) wine. (laughs) Uh, It's really good. And it's like, it's when we're up in that area, we go for a hike. And then that's what we do. We do a late lunch there. And I get this pizza and I eat the whole pizza to myself. (laughs) I mean, it's thin crust. It's like individual. Right. Yeah. But I do eat the whole thing. Good for you. And I get a couple, three glasses of the Cyberstore. And they serve (laughs) them in like, like a... It's not a pint glass, but, like, they don't serve it in wine glasses. It's, like, super casual and just down to earth, and it's delicious. Well, and a lot of, like, little bars and restaurants in Italy, that's how they serve wine. They serve them in those little glasses. Yeah. It's sort of, like, familiar, and it was, it's just so good. So, for me, I want that pizza with this Lambrusco because it pairs really well with a Lambrusco, and I I think it pairs really well with this because the arugula has that kind of spicy pepperiness to it, I think would go well with it. Because this does have, you know, we talked about kind of like the, the, the sweet, potential sweetness of Lambrusco. This isn't sweet except for the finish does have, I think, notes of like some raisin. Grapes. Some, yeah, some. (laughs) I mean, it's made of grapes. 
Thank you. Thank you for that excellent scientific point. Guys, guys, I'm really the PhD here. Dried figs, <laughs> you know, those types of, of heavier, like, dried fruit flavors, shall we say. Yes, a raisin is, in fact, a dry fucking grape. <laughs> you know, I just took another sip, and the other thing that I'm getting from that, and this is going to sound weird, is rust. Maybe coppery, like a copperiness to it. There's something about it that's almost mm. metallic. Interesting. Anyway. I'm not getting that. Are you on nerve inhibitors? I mean, maybe I wish I was. <laughs> what are you eating with this particular wine? So, as we all know, I'm a fan of the salty meat. Oh, she do like her salty meat. I do meat like a salty meat boards. and my cheese board. But I think... And we're not even going to talk about the butterboard situation that's that happening. That can fuck right off. Don't, yes, don't come to me with that TikTok no, bullshit. No. Um, there's a reason we're not on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> because we blow up. <laughs> no, literally, we would blow up. Yeah, I was like, we're we going to blow something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I do love a salty meat, but I, what I really like about this Lambrusco and that earthiness to it is I feel like it could stand up to a more exotic salty meat. Like a venison? Yeah. Like yeah. A, I had, I'm thinking like a duck prosciutto, mm, yeah. a venison salami. Yeah. Um, there is a place in La Jolla, California, here in San Diego County called Small Goods, and they are... They're primarily a cheese shop, but they do, you know, meats as well. They have a sandwich bar now. I've known the owners, Jenny and Mike, for almost 10 years. Like, I've been following them since they were selling just at little farmer's markets here in the area. And their area. stuff is good. Yeah. She has they're... shared some of their um, little charcuterie plates with me, and it's really just beautiful. But they get some of these more exotic, exotic charcuterie yeah. meats, and I'm like, yeah. So, I mean, this is even something... and. I'm, we are privileged here in San Diego and at Christmas it's probably going to be like 70 degrees but I can see like setting out a board of mm -hmm. like those yummy meats and having this just as like you know we're getting ready for it's Christmas festive. dinner yeah, yeah it is festive it's, like spark it's a sparkling wine so it's celebratory it's, red, it's like fun you know so it's like winter quote unquote winter <laughs> here in San Diego but west coast winter yeah. I love it. I feel like you just gave us like your situation. Oh yeah, I it's you I pulled the jewels. I did. Oh fuck, man! Except it's, I already pulled the jewels I and I already gave the situation. You did give us a post bus. hike. Post hike up in the central coast at Industrial Eats. At Industrial Eats, I I do think this is a great like entertaining wine too. Like this is a bottle I'd want to open with with people. I think it's it's easy drinking. It's fun. It's I was approachable. Say, do you think. I can't decide if, because I really like Lambrusco, if it really is easy drinking or I just think that it is. Like, I'm not sure that everybody would enjoy this. I that's, don't know that I agree with that. That's fair, but I feel like over dinner we just talked about, like, how we need better friends. So here we are. Well. <laughs> get listen, on board with the Lambrusco or get People out. that are friends with us that listen to this. No, if it's. If you it's, ever come to our houses, <laughs> heises. Why is it mice and not heise? I don't know. Anyway. Mises? Um, Jesus for right. us, Mises. Mouses? Houses. Mouses? I mean, come on. English Anywho, is fucked up. If you come to our heise <laughs> and you are not down the Lambrusco, just shut your mouth. Also, pretend like, like you're drinking it, pour it down the sink. I feel Do like do not go against the Lambrusco crowd. I also feel like the friends who are listening to the podcast regularly are like, who are these other bitches they're talking about? So you know. Well, they also probably know who. They're <laughs> well, there, there you have it. Okay, entertainment. Um, this is a hard one. I feel like. Really? I feel like this is ca this is like casual, like easy. I don't know. I was gonna be real basic about oh, it. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. I'm gonna be a basic bitch, going with like my pumpkin spice theme. Oh god. Um, I hate pumpkin spice season. <laughs> Dre and I really diverge in our opinions about the pumpkin spice shit. So anyway, sorry I interrupted. Go. I'm gonna throw on a Roman holiday. 
Okay. Audrey Hepburn, Gregory Peck. Yes. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's not a movie. Gonna, she's not. She's gonna, put. She's. No, but because she's being entertained by a movie. No, but I think it's approachable. Like I think this wine is. We don't have to be doing anything. Yeah, it's like this is a wine where. You know, maybe my husband and I have had a nice dinner and we want to open up something else while we watch a movie and make some like nice salty popcorn. She loves her popcorn. I too. love and my, her pop- my popcorn and my salty fucking meats. salads. Salty meats, salty popcorn, and salads. And cheese. Well, <laughs> cheese is on the salad, so fine. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I mean, I think that, um, I mean, it would be even better if I had a fireplace. In my house, but you can come up to the cabin. Yeah, this is a good cabin wine. This is good cabin. This is very good cabin wine. Like a fire for sure. You just take like a five minute walk through the woods, and then you're like, "Oh, great! What are we doing now? Salty meats in a fire. Excellent." So you just gave me my entertainment. (laughs) Cabin wine, salty meats. Well, a hike, five minute hike. Cabin wine (laughs) is coming back from a hike, starting the fire, and playing a board game. Oh, I like that. Or playing cards. Like, playing a game with your friends. What board game are we playing? Because I feel like this wine, like, you don't need to, like, sit and be like, oh, isn't this wine so amazing? Yeah, no, You can just be, like, fun. drinking it and having a good time, and no one needs to talk about it. Um, I have a few games that I like. Can we play Celebrity? And it's unfortunate, really like because my husband hates, he does not like games. Really? See, John, Rob John says has he- no patience. Oh. For games. Like he doesn't have the attention span for games. John says he likes them, but then he's, like, not... Present. Yeah, he's just like, what? It's my turn? Roll the dice. But that's just John. Yeah, John's also, like, so aliens. So yeah. Bigfoot. So, yeah. Um, We recently picked up this game that we saw people playing this game at a brewery here in San Diego. And we're like, they're having so much fun. What is this game? <laughs> We need to know. It's called the voting game, and it's super fun. It does require you to be a little compass mentis. Like, you have to be aware. Like, you have to be thinking strategically, but it's still really fun, and you can be drinking while doing it. So Perfect. We're playing the voting game I mean, I at the cabin with a fire. I also feel like Cards Against Humanity is a classic oh, that would go with this. Um, I'm a horrible person, yes. <laughs> have you ever played Flux? No. That's another great card game, and it's it's called the game of ever-changing rules. And so you play a card, and the rules can shift. So you have to be, like, kind of on it. I've only played this game while I've been drinking. Okay. Heavily, which turns it into a shit show, which makes it real fun. So yeah. highly recommend. I like it. So, Drea, where can our listener buy this wine? So this one is actually pretty readily available um, because they are fairly large. Linny is a fairly large producer. Uh, you are going to find it in a variety of places. So Jules got this bottle from the Rose, which is a specialty wine bar uh, here in San Diego. But in doing research, you know, I saw it listed at certain cost plus world markets Um mm-hmm. They have it at pavilions. If you have a pavilions, a number of want like smaller wine shops. Like um, I saw Aster Wines in New York here, which is a place where uh, Anne and I used to get a number of wines. Mm-hmm. But also, um, it's it has a pretty heavy footprint on Wine.com and WineSearcher.com, and those two resources are great because you can actually type in like your zip code or your city and find out where the closest um, retailer is to you. And sometimes it may not be in your city. Like I've, I've looked for wines that, you know, they were available in Northern California, but guess what? That wine shop mm-hmm. in Northern California will ship to yeah. me. So um, it is pretty readily available though. It's been really fun talking about the Slambers Go, but I'm super excited about our next bottle that we're going to be featuring because Drea is going to be bringing us something back from España. Si, es la verdad. So we don't know what we're drinking. We have no idea. it's going to be something good. But it's going to be something good. It's going to be something Spanish. I make my triumphant return 
in just a little under a week and I am super excited and I can't wait to see what I find to bring back. I'm actually staying for four days in in Pinedas Valley Wine Country. So who knows what sort of shenanigans oh, it's gonna get are going to be there. And be prepared for a full-on Instagram tasting takeover. It's fully happening. Uh, and if you don't already follow us on Instagram, we're at two girls and a great pod. That's T-W-O, girls and a great pod. If you... That was a great segue, by the way. Look at that smooth. Look at that. She's, she's finally, she's finally coming she's around this evening. It. That's getting right. It. It's only taken a couple hours. It's totally fine. Uh, <laughs> if if you have recommendations for Spanish wines that you like, or if you have been to Penedes Valley before and you've got some recs for me, slide on into those DMs. Hit us up on Instagram, and we will see what sort of surprises I smuggle on back. And if they wanted to email us, what's the email address? Two girls and a great pod at Gmail. Again, T W O girls and a great pod P O D. At gmail.com. There you have it. All right. Until next time. Salute. Salute. Salute.